Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the LPN Show. Recorded both in Los Angeles and New York City. We're just, you know, here to hang out. Have a good time. All right. I'll talk to y'all after a while. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the LPN Show. Oh, no, I'm here all on my lonesome today. Where is my big, scary brother? Yeah, he likes it when I talk about him like that, but he can't say shit because he's not here. But there's a very good reason of why he's not here with me today, and that is because I have a very special guest. I am here to introduce to you Dr. Jordan Soper. She's a licensed psychologist and certified, uh uh-oh, sex therapist. Therapist. Welcome, Dr. Jordan, to the LPN show. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me here today because I've got a very special announcement. Dr. Jordan and I are going to be working together soon on our own Twitch channel. I know that you remember Sex and Other Human Activities, which I used to host with the one beautiful Marcus Parks, but I really wanted to bump it up a notch. So we're going to be coming at you every Tuesday between 8 and 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Mm -hmm. And we are going to be talking about your sex questions because it's time for us to get a little bit more legitimate up in this piece. (laughs) And Dr. Jordan, I've just been over the moon to meet you because Mm -hmm. I never thought that I would actually find (laughs) A psychologist that would want to talk about sex with me for no money. And I'm so excited to be working with you. She's the owner of the Center for Sexual Health and Wellness in Las Vegas. And I've got lots of great questions for you today. I have lots of great answers and some terrible ones to throw in there too, just to mix it up a bit. Perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. (laughs) Because whenever I talk about The idea, now I myself have never been to sex therapy before, but I've always been intrigued about it. And I feel like we hear so many misconceptions about what sex therapy is. And in fact, in talking about sex therapy, even myself, people are like, well, what does she do? Do you fuck in front of her? Now, what do they do, Dr. Jordan? Do they fuck in front of you? No, they don't. And I really hope they don't. Because that would be such an awkward conversation. But this is such a common question. And it's one that when we think about training, when we think about therapy in general, it's like, what do you do in that room? Well, sex therapy as a form of treatment is still just talk therapy. 
it's still therapy. It's just a specialized version of it, where instead of talking about how you do not get along with your mother-in-law and how do you have improved communication with your coworkers, you're talking about sex with yourself or with your partner or why you're not getting wet or why your erections aren't as firm anymore, but you're talking with it, talking about it with someone who is trained, who it performs a lot of different continue education to make sure they're getting extra training. If you're seeing an actual certified sex therapist like myself, this person has gone through so much training in addition to their foundational training to even get their doctorate or their license and then the extra training that comes along with it. So it is a considered a specialty form of psychotherapy just happens that we talk about sex and everything about it pretty much in relation to everything else too. Now, is it that kind of thing? Do you have couples come in at the same time to talk to you so that they both talk to you about it? Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a brother and sister come in and talk to you about their own separate <laughs> sex lives? No, Henry, get out of here. <laughs> Not so much. It wouldn't be that different, but traditionally sex therapy can be kind of done in any cluster. So you can do like traditional couples therapy is, you know, a couple that is dealing with some sexual issues. I do a lot of individual work actually with the member of a couple that one of my colleagues will see the couple, but I see them as individuals. One of my favorite things. Sick. Sometimes we do family work. I don't particularly do this because I don't work with kiddos, but it's not uncommon to have like a parent and a child in sex therapy being like, let's talk about sex education. How do you as a parent teach your kid about sex? So, oh, whoa, I didn't realize you did that too. I don't do it because kids, I, I can't do it. Like Terrifying. Children, they, they throw things. I've never been threatened <laughs> more times in my life than by children. It's <laughs> like, whoa, all I right. Do well, dildo in the face, no. Oh, thank you. Just like, I don't need to get stabbed today. We're good. No. Oh, dude, that's so crazy. I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. Personally, my mom had almost no sex talk with me mm -hmm. because I think she just kind of assumed like, oh, well, you have siblings. That's their job. That's, that's what's happening. But it's like, who taught them? Mm -hmm. The public school system? Yeah, because that, that, in the U.S., that's a really great place to get education. And you can't see my face, but rolling of the eyes from her. <laughs> I just can't imagine. I mean, I was talking about this not too long ago, about how long it took me to understand that me mashing my pussy was masturbating mm -hmm. because I would put on the astronaut's wife and I would watch the scene of them in the museum <laughs> around the corner. And I didn't understand that that was the beginning of just, my God, the blossoming of my kink world. Mm -hmm. And it all became uh, very, very clear um, as I would mash and mash until Charlize Theron would make me explode. <laughs> and it's one of those things like most people honestly don't get a comprehensive sex talk at home and they sure as heck aren't going to get it in general in nope. the public school system. Washington state this year, actually, or actually this most recent election cycle, they passed a regulation that requires comprehensive sex education in all public schools beginning at, I think it's kindergarten or first grade. That's amazing. It's so cool. It's 2021. What? take this long Why but it, it did so many reasons which we will get to for many many times but most people didn't get the sex talk no and if they did it was this is a penis this is a vagina this is how babies get made 
don't do it. You get married yes. and then, then you, you do know, things. then you start having the children, mm-hmm. which also didn't include all of the many, the beautiful rainbow of, of, uh, mixtures mm-hmm. of different kinds of people yeah. that you can put together because my mom certainly wasn't talking to me about all of my queer feelings mm-hmm. either. That's for damn yeah, sure. No one was talking about this is what different abled bodies look like. This is what la- different labias look like. Yeah. Here's what actual penises look like with body hair versus what pornified imagery looks like. Like no one's walking our, uh, it's like holding our hands and walking us through that. And that's honestly what a sex therapist is at its very core fundamental is the place that you can ask the stupid questions the shame-based questions, you can say all the things, you can use the language that you use, and you basically get to have someone go, yep, that's normal, or no, I haven't really heard that before, but I'm gonna learn about it. And really looking at the majority of the time, it's gonna be, yeah, that's normal. Most people experience that too. Here's how you deal with it. Like Which is why to I'm finally so excited. have a place. Yes, to it's work so cool. with you. Because I want to be able to like not not only for everyone else, but I want to. I want. I want to know the answers to these questions. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so many I talk of them. about it because I. I'll never forget when I first found out of like, oh, uh, have you not seen like a hooded penis before? Mm-hmm. And in my head, I thought it meant it had a cloak on, mm-hmm. like an actual cloak. And it took me a long time before I found out. I'm like, oh, I've definitely dealt with many an uncircumcised penis. I just had absolutely no idea. I thought mm-hmm. that just. Dicks look different. Or even the judgment towards uncircumcised dudes and people and being like, oh, that's somehow bad. No, it's not. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And also, they have like more sensation than cut dudes do. Yeah. That's just how it works because that's literally the top of the penis is a is a giant clit. Yes. That's all it is. Literally all it is. So when you cut it, different things happen. I can't even. Imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I started reading this book that you recommended called mm-hmm. She Comes First by Ian Kerner and learning about my own pussy. I'm I'm going to be 34 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't know what goes on down there. Mm-hmm. And how do I not still like, of course, I've I've gone I've gone spelunking down yonder, mm-hmm. but there's only so much you can learn until you actually realize, like, for instance, I wouldn't I know that we were talking about this not uh, on the recording but that I didn't realize that all of it is just one muscle. Mm-hmm. That like the clit and the inside, like where your G spot yep. is, that it's, it's all It's all this cool wishbone sh- internal shape that's got pieces that are coming out and like protruding out the front, but it's got this like wishbone shape to it. And it's millions of nerve endings all up in there within the first two inches. This is where I get so ragey about like very like stereotypical heterosexual porn of like jackhammer things in. I'm like, if you go farther than two inches, she can't feel it anymore until you hit the cervix. Then you're going to feel everything and out. Yes. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Well, in the same way too, where people have different sensitivities. Mm -hmm. And so how often I would find myself either working with someone else's pussy or or showing my pussy to someone else where they want to do the like slap 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 
ever. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I've talked about it. I've made many jokes uh, on many, many recordings. Um, listen to the round table of gentlemen. And also I have played my own brother's wife in many, many of an acting sketch. But I still didn't know the the basic things about just the mechanisms of my own pussy. Mm-hmm. And now we can actually talk to each other about these things. Like, I love this. Another misconception about sex therapy is that if my partner and I go to sex therapy, our relationship is already dead. Mm -hmm. And what do you say to people when they come in with this? Because I imagine, I, I mean, not to speak for you, but I would assume that a lot of the people that you see, or maybe I'm wrong, are having issues in their own sex life with their partner Mm -hmm. for the most part when i do couples therapy that's usually those are the types of couples that i predominantly see so that's usually the population that i will want to see is you know we haven't had sex in xyz amount of time or we have these sexual issues or this is going on like and a lot of the time it comes more from a place of are we broken as people is our relationship broken and a lot of it comes from or excuse me a lot of the initial approach is normalizing no this is pretty natural no this is really like this is really common there's nothing wrong with what you have going on but really looking at are you dissatisfied with this if yes then let's figure out how to make a change with it the notion of almost this dichotomy of either it's a good relationship or a bad relationship. And that's the only thing. And if we have a poor sex life, we must have a bad relationship. No, it just means you can probably have an area of growth in your sex life. Let's figure out how to grow that plant in literally and figuratively ways, right? How to make it work. And it's also, I imagine too, it's, it's figuring out like for myself, I know that I do have a fairly high sex drive and, and, understanding that a lot of my partners that I've had do not have as high of a sex drive Mm -hmm. as me. And for a long time, I thought I was broken and I was very self-destructive in many, many ways. Mm -hmm. And specifically when it came to my sex life, because I thought, well, then I'm going to go shame myself. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to put myself in the dirt because women aren't supposed to have high sex drives. Mm -hmm. And then now as I get older, a lot of the people identifying as women that I talk to in their 30s surprisingly have a much higher sex drive than at least particularly the friends that I talk to that are in heterosexual relationships. And it is insane Mm -hmm. in this our Lord's year of 2021 that it is still considered gospel that women don't like sex. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, well, they've got sex in the city, but those are kinky city women. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that's the case. Mm -hmm. I think it's people. I think some people Mm -hmm. have a higher sex drive than other people. And also, like, to throw another, you know, variable in it, like, how do you even define what high sex drive is? Like, what is a high drive? Because to someone, a high drive is twice a month to someone that's twice a day. Like there is so much subjectivity and the role of culture and religion and media and message all. And like family dynamics comes in the, the piece of, well, how do you even operationally define what a high sex drive is? You're completely because right. on average, it's once to twice a week. Wow. Typically that's kind of it. I don't know if I ever looked up the average <laughs> that well, that because then there it is again. Mm-hmm. It's the shame I was raised 
in a house where sex and touching is shameful. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, a, uh, oh, it, it's Catholic, baby. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is a guilty thing. It is something that shouldn't be celebrated. Mm-hmm. And so you're completely right. Who am I to say I even have a high sex drive? Who fucking knows? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't, uh, you, we, even that alone is such a, a, like a shame that you put on mm-hmm. it for no reason in the same way of like making someone say like, oh, you just have a low sex drive. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's just low. Yep. When, what does it matter? There's also asexual couples. There's also many people that that share intimacy in different ways. And I have been um, lately screaming about, because I've been reading Twilight oh. over on the page seven. <laughs> on the page seven Patreon. And I've been screaming because the whole thing is that they can't fuck or else Edward will kill her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you bastard. You should, you should go down on her go because that's a thing. Her. It's very There's simple. So many other ways to get somebody off. Yep. There's so many other ways to create a sense of intimacy that's not just... And it's also breaking, and this is something I even say a lot to patients, is break the assumption that sex means orgasm. Break that shit right now. Like, orgasm is this, like, cherry on top of this really beautiful sundae that you're eating that's got so many different layers and so much different mixture. Like, the the mission of a sexual or intimate encounter is consensual fun. That's kind of it. If everyone, if everyone gets off, that's awesome. If no one gets off, that's awesome too. But like looking at that, breaking the assumption that it means one thing. Right. And that's where I think a lot of those like early messages of like, oh, women shouldn't like sex. Well, why is that? Because women have, uh, have tend to have a difficult time coming in certain, dur- in certain ways or through penetrative sex. Is that why they shouldn't like it? Because like, well, why exactly? And looking at breaking assumptions about what sex even looks like. Because sometimes sex doesn't even involve any touching. And what could that actually be? Ooh, tell me about that. Can you? A a little bit. I'm definitely like flashing back to like the like 90s, 2000s, that scene from like 40 Days and 40 Nights with Josh Hartnett and the girl and the flower. (gasps) Like that, that like notion of that. There are some women that can have, or people who have vaginas can get, can have orgasms by squeezing their thighs together in certain ways. I can definitely get myself wet just by like, by like, Holding, I'm doing it right now. I'm it's doing it right now. It's literally speak. the yeah. muscle doing it. So that's it. That's what it's there. It, for. it helps there. a little bit. It really helps. Mm-hmm. So like I fla- I flashed that scene from that movie, which I was much younger than I probably should have been to watch it. But it was like, oh, this is a really cool thing, and like, let's talk about that. Yeah, there are some people that do tan- that do tantric sex, or people who do. Um, different, like using different toys. You may not even be physically touching your partner if you're just using a toy as part of a kink. Some people get off by getting flogged, even though nothing else is happening, but that's just such a sensation for them that that's what's working. And that's still sex. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, We've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. 
Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. And that's what, honestly, and also when reading this, she comes first, when they were talking about when I, I, as someone that I never actually read it in a book, this is my first time ever reading a book about sex before. And I was like, why have I not been doing this? Because they were talking about, like, rather than calling it foreplay, call it core play. Mm -hmm. Because there is you having foreplay and being like, oh, well, we didn't even have sex. Why? Yeah, but you did. But you did. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. It's still intimacy. It still yeah. creates a bond and releases serotonin. And like you even said, even if you don't come as someone that was on antidepressants for a very mm -hmm. long time, it was very difficult for me. And so then I would lie about it. Yep. And how many years I lied about it mm -hmm. because I was embarrassed because it took me longer because of my medication. Mm -hmm. And looking at that idea, that's again a message. There's an assumption and we see this in like media and things of like people in particular, like the moment there's penetration and someone has an instantaneous orgasm, it's like, uh, that's not how that works. Some people are, some, some people, people can. probably can. Some people it takes an hour. I, I love, like, I, I adore Ali Wong and oh she's got God, an entire stand up Wong. about this of like training her husband and be like, I am not like, you're going to stay down there until you're old <laughs> and wrinkly and look like Tommy Lee Jones. And it's so <laughs> true because each body is different. Some people take 20 seconds, some people take two hours. Yeah. All of that is normative. If you look at though, where someone experiences distress and do they experience distress because there's something going on or do they experience distress because someone else has told them something's wrong with them? Yes. That's the, that's the big issue. So we do that a lot in treatment is where did this come from? How long has this been going on for? And what is maintaining it and motivating it for the most part? Which is, it really is kind of flabbergasting <laughs> how much of how we feel particularly about sex is based on what society tells us. And mm -hmm. I understand that obviously, you know, gender is a contract. There's many contracts, there's many like systemic bullshit rules yep. that we all live by for some reason. And the shame that comes with talking about sex is still, it took me a long time to unlearn mm -hmm. it. it. And now that I've, I'm working on unlearning it, and that's part of the reason why I'm so excited to work with you, is trying to share, I feel like I took the the blue pill. Like, I'm just like, don't you see? This is true. It's the communication. It's the truth. It really is. And I feel like I truly feel that I, I as, although I had the same, I had the fear in other relationships of what's going to happen when they stop fucking me and want to fuck somebody else because they're not getting from me what they need mm -hmm. and turns out it's because I wasn't asking any questions mm -hmm. and I also didn't want to know anything either and you hit a point where you're like why am I not asking like was that good for you mm -hmm. did you like it like that or would you rather me do this mm -hmm. or trying new things and trying to get out of the box and now do you give like insect therapy do you give ideas how to get people out of their own comfort zone what do you usually do to get people to like open up about maybe fantasies or what they watch mm -hmm. it's such it's such a good question too like with with sex therapy you're gonna look at different providers are gonna have different approaches i can only speak to myself but i come from what is called a plicit model so in psychology we love acronyms <laughs> try to make things easier so plicit model is a form of kind of addressing sexual function and concern. So it's permission. So giving people the permission that you can talk about this, this is a safe place, which is why I pretty much open with 
you know, how's your sex life? Pretty much within the first five minutes of meeting someone, then limited information, specific suggestions, and then intensive therapy, really just asking questions, just ask questions and people will tell you pretty much everything. And I think in society, there's so much stigma. There's so much taboo about sex that it's somehow dirty and wrong, where if we just talked about it, we're going to normalize something that is literally a part of human nature. If you read any biology book, any textbook, we talk about the four F's of humans or the four F's of animals for the most part, feeding, fleeing, fighting, and fucking. Yeah. Like that's literally built into how creatures work because it's what it's just innately built. So when we look at kinks, when we look at interests, when we look at sexual response, it's also individualized, but it has the foundation of this is human. This is something that everyone has. We just all have different flavors, basically. It's like going to 31 flavors and saying, well, I know I want ice cream. I just don't know which flavor of ice cream I want. Tell me what flavor of ice cream that you want. You don't know? Cool. Let's make a list. And so, so that's usually where I start. I make a I make a list. I have my patients make a list, kind of like a yes, um, a yes list, a maybe list, and a ah hell no list. I like the ah hell no list to start with of like, what are things that when you think about, you would never want to do things that you have no interest in doing. That's actually usually easier to start with is find out what you don't want first, then communicate that to your partner. Because if that's something they want, oh, you've got a bigger issue within that than just your sex life. Right. And then you have to talk through all of that. Now, do they talk with you about they're all hell no yeah. lists of like, well, then what do we do? Is mm-hmm. it do you work then more in compromise or is it the kind of thing of like, well, that's their all hell nas, but I want to try it. What do you recommend then after? That? That's a great question. And that's actually going to be couple dependent for some. They're saying, I want this. I'm interested in it, but if my partner's not, then I'll leave it on the wayside. I don't need it. For some patients, that's where the the crossroads about values and relationships really comes to, to a head of, if this is a value for you and you need this thing in your life and the partner that you have chosen or the person that you are considering choosing doesn't want that and is not willing to cross their very respected line, you have to make a decision to either stay together make some modifications or is it time to terminate the relationship and modify it? And that's where I think a lot of our culture has assumption of, well, relationships look this one way. They have to be monogamous. They have to be long-term committed monogamous relationships. For some people, that's not how it works. It might be long-term committed relationship, but someone goes to a dom once a year and gets their, and gets their kink fed for some way and super okay. Otherwise, like it's so individualized. And that's the coolest thing about sex therapy. It has to be individualized because there's literally no book on how to have sex. Yeah. Even though everyone keeps trying to make books on how to have sex. There's no way. Yes. Or the porn industry being like, no, this is how you have sex. And it's like, oh, that's a big part of the problem. As someone that I do consume ethical porn and Mm -hmm. I, I go out of my way to try and find ethical porn I and I like porn. Mm-hmm. I like to watch it. I like to watch sensual movies. I like I mean I call them my fuck shows. Mm-hmm. I like to watch my fuck shows by myself. And it is a pleasure of mine, but it is still part a big part of the reason of why I got so fucked up because I thought it was like, well, as a bigger woman, and I really truly thought I have to be really good at sex mm-hmm. or else no one's ever going to want to fuck me. Mm-hmm. And that's 
fucked up. Yep. No one's ever told me that before. Where mm-hmm. did I get it from? Mm-hmm. And it's looking at those implicit messages and the the things that we observe, even from really young ages, because, and, and I think you and I have talked about this before, like babies masturbate in utero. It's a normal thing. It's just how it works. It's again, ingrained in human nature. Now we, as a culture, we sexualize the act, but I use the analogy of like, you ever stick a Q-tip in your ear and you scratch it and you kind of wiggle it around. You're like, Ooh, that feels kind of good. That's all it is to infants and babies and children. Like that's sensation seeking because it feels good. It's scratching an itch that just happens to feel good. We as a culture have now sexualized that action, especially as we kind of get older, there's a sexualization that comes to it. And with that comes the shame, comes the messages, comes the subjectivity, because what U.S. culture will say is right and wrong when it comes to sex. U.K. culture may not agree with it. And even in different parts of like East coast versus West coast. I'm a West coast baby. You're East coast baby. Like even just those basic messages about different. Oh, it's parts buttoned of the up country. over there. I'll tell you fucking it's, what. It's super different. Woo. Like my, it's like, I got, I, I was raised in an environment that was very sex positive. That would make jokes about my, I got the masturbation talk at 14 Whoa. from my mother. Do you mind was saying, was one. there a part of it that you were like, mom, <laughs> I think it was more of a concern if she did it on the, like, in the car, unprompted, with one of my friends in the car. And I was like, really but I'll never forget. She, she, it was just like it was so about safety. She's like, you won't get pregnant. There's no risk of STDs. Like you can have fun. You get to learn your own body. And I'm just like, mother, I don't want to have this conversation with this person in the car. It wasn't even about the conversation. I just, just didn't not know. in the car. I didn't, I didn't have, but even my young 14 year old self, I'm like, you didn't ask her consent to have this conversation. I'm fine with it, but maybe she's not mother. Right. What did your friend say? I don't think we talked about it. We were <laughs> friends until we were 18, but I don't think we actually, t- I think it was just those awkward stares with each other. I bet. But like my fiance is East coast baby. They didn't talk about that at Like that was not something that was discussed in that culture. You spend so much time trying to figure it out. And along the way, I had a lot of bad choices Mm -hmm. because I'm like, well, I got to figure out somehow. And then I go, oh, no, I really don't like it. Mm -hmm. And now trying to undo undo the trauma that I had gone through because I found out in ways that I should not have Mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, well, I won't go down that road right now, but it is, there are things that you have to unlearn over time. Mm -hmm. And I never thought about me alone going to sex therapy Mm -hmm. to start learning about this. Do you get a lot of clients that are not in relationships? Yes. I would say for at least my practice, because of my background. So before I answer that, I'll give a little caveat. I spent years and years in my training. I'm a trauma-trained therapist. So my emphasis was PTSD due to sexual assault, due to military combat trauma. I was in the VA system for five years. Trauma was my first my first love. I started doing it when I was 18 with um, kind of looking at that, but then finding out that a lot of people who had trauma histories had sexual difficulties in some way. So I kind of did a bit of a blending model of people who have trauma history and sexual functioning concerns, or just even general anxiety concerns because they go hand in hand. So the majority of my practice is actually people who are either in relationships, but want to see me individually or who are single, who have trauma history saying, I don't want to have flashbacks while I'm engaging with my partner. I don't want to not feel pleasure. I don't want to feel the shame. I want to break these paired negative connections about sex 
to me, that is my my love of this world because most of us are going to go through some form of trauma. We all just survived COVID. Welcome to trauma. Now it's 100% at this point. And how do you recover from something like that. Yeah. And that's something that I do a lot of work with. And it's very, like, very recoverable. It's just a matter of getting someone who's trained and talking about it. There's so much emphasis on talking. Yeah. And being able to say, like, do you notice that maybe this is a thing? And looking at patterns and having someone be objective. And I think that's where a lot of people will like come to their friends. And I think you might sex in the city. There's a washed yeah. we washed a lot of that growing oh, up. Oh yes. There's a line where when her friends tell her to go to therapy because they can't handle talking to her about Mr. Big anymore. And it's so true. Like our friends love us and adore us. They ain't trained. No. They have no idea. And they're committed to us. They are biased to us. They're not going to tell us to our face. Maybe you shouldn't do this and having it come from an objective place. And that's usually where sex therapy or therapy in general should be coming from an objective standpoint. But the patient is the emphasis. Their subjective experience matched with the research is what makes therapy work. And I also really find that as I get older, no one wants to talk about their sex life as much. And I know that, like, I thought that it was going to be the opposite. Like, well, in my 20s, like, I definitely would talk about it. I'm like, shouldn't be doing that, huh? But now that I'm in a a more stable relationship, I want to talk about mm-hmm. the things that we learn. I feel like other people should be talking about it. But I understand it's like, it is the holdup of, like, but this is my partner. Mm-hmm. This is my like. It could be the 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 parent of my child. It could be like, all, and like I can't talk to you about our sex life. But without like, I get consent from my partner before I speak to what I speak about when it comes to my sex life. But how else are we going to learn mm-hmm. unless we ask each other? Of like, oh man, you ever try this? Mm-hmm. Like, where else do you get your tips besides? Cosmo, where, you know, I remember when I was 18, mm-hmm. Cosmo told me to use teeth when giving a blowjob. Or use ice cubes. Yes, the ice cubes. Stop. Nobody wants Stop it. it. It's Nobody cold. wants Stop ice cubes. It. <laughs> also, maybe somebody wants ice yes. cubes. But I don't know. I know certainly at least the people I put my teeth on their very sensitive parts and they go, oh, no, please don't do that. And I go, oh, I'm sorry. I read it in Cosmo. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things is we're all doing the same thing. We're all grasping at straws, trying to make sense of this. And no one is really talking about, which is, I was so grateful when you reached out because this was even something I was thinking about doing is like, how do we get basic non-bias, actual educative material into the world for people to consume in a way that doesn't sound like I'm a doctor and I'm going to tell you what's right. No, I don't, I don't really know exactly what's going on. I can say we have general themes of what we noticed, right? but for a long time, we didn't really know what we were doing and we still don't really know what we're doing. We just have better ideas now, but the more we talk about it, the more we're like, Oh, 80% of the population does this. Maybe we should look at this. Yeah. Makes it easier. And the more we talk about it, and especially when we look at, you know, as we get older, what our bodies are going to do, how things change over time and everything that inter interacts with it. And we have to talk about it so we don't keep shaming ourselves for experiencing really normal stuff. I also find myself like my likes and dislikes change. Mm -hmm, As they should. And kinks that I used to be into are not quite as fulfilling for me anymore, but the new ones blossom. Mm -hmm. But again, it's because we talk about these things of like, man, I'm actually not as into. And I feel like because I told myself I was quote unquote edgy. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I'm into all these things. 
when in reality I wasn't. Mm -mm. And I just, I lied about it. Mm -hmm. I lied about wanting these things because I wanted to seem edgier. Mm -hmm. And that's such a fucked up thing to not only do to your partner, but to do to yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's scary to unlearn those things of like, well, what of these things that when I talk about my sex life, what are the parts that I like and what are the parts that I don't like? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a sex therapist, it's difficult to find someone to actually talk to about mm -hmm. these things. And it's one of those things that I think a lot of us spend at least some portion thinking about, but are we actually exploring it and identifying it and making change and talking to ourselves, talking to ourselves, talking to our partners about what these things are and recognizing, I would hope that our kinks and our interests will change and the things that we want to do would change over time. I really do not want to be the same person I was when I was 16 into the same stuff. Like, no, no. don't worry. Some of it's still there. Like, you know, sure. Queen of the Damned, Stuart Townsend every day forever. <laughs> Super okay with that. Really not into some of the other stuff I was into at 16. Right. I would hope not. And same as like in our twenties and our thirties and forever on, I hope we keep evolving as people in a species and sex is a part of that. Completely. Mm -hmm. Now I do have a, is there a, like a taboo, quote unquote, topic that's asked about so frequently that that you feel that it shouldn't be considered taboo anymore. I feel I I, I feel like there's so many, but if I had to like kind of put it into two big categories, is like people who have penises having a difficult time getting it up, or people who have vaginas having a difficult time getting wet. I'm like th those two things just happen. Yes constantly, pretty regularly. Why are we not talking? This is why I talk so much about like, please use lube, use lube. And please talk about these kinds of things. Like that I would say is something that those two emphasize the notion of physical function in genitalia. People do not talk about, and it's so common. And I'm like, how is, how are we still shaming people for this? Like th this is just a normal thing. This is how bodies work. Like if you if you eat too much spaghetti, you're probably not going to want to get super rock hard right after. Right. And there's also those kind of things. Now, is do you recommend things for people to work on besides lube? Mm -hmm. Like, are there different like exercises you talk to people? Mm -hmm. Like, I know, obviously, there's also points where you can bring in medication. Mm -hmm. You can bring in all that kind of stuff. But is there anything that you're like, try this first? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to our studio where we have a special guest with us today, Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, and um, it's Fruit Loops, just so you know. Uh, fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. No, it's Fruit Loops. The same way you say studio. That's not how we say it. Fruit Loops, find the loopy side. I usually say first, start by looking at what is your body doing? What's your brain doing? Are you thinking about the grocery store list while stuff is going on? Are you worrying that you're going to not get an erection? Like start with yourself 
above and beyond everything of like, how you doing self and like really checking in of like, what is going on when those kinds of experiences happening and start looking for patterns, then looking at what is some reputable information? Where do I find things? So like, that's why I, I gave you the um, come as you are. Um, she comes first. I'm thinking another one, like come as you are by Emily Nagowski, looking at um, Sex Without Stress by Jessica Zimmerman. Yes. Looking at the different resources by people who are trained in this. There is no reason all of us should be trying to reinvent the wheel when there are a dozen and a half really good rims over there we have to can just go pick up and try. Right. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just look at but look at what is going to be a good fit for you. So that's usually where it starts. Look at your body, look at your brain and what's going on, then try to match the resources and education. But I think a lot of people end up skipping that and they're like, oh, let's just not talk about it or let's just not, not deal with it or let's watch porn for this or let's go to this for that. No, start with just yourself first. And yeah. like, what do you think you like? Yeah. And I mean, in, in the same and in, in a similar way, I have a question that I was in a relationship for a very long time and was and was left and I would we just weren't having sex anymore. And they had posited the idea of even though we were monogamous for so long to become poly. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was like, well, I guess, yeah, let's try it. And it was not a good idea for us. I definitely shouldn't. But again, hearkening back to the edgy mm -hmm. thing that I was like, yeah, I could do that. That's great. I could do that. I could totally mm -hmm. do that. And I realized that it was something that was not for me at least in that time in my life and in that particular relationship that just because we weren't fucking anymore didn't mean like, oh, well, I guess like I have to consent to you fucking other people, mm -hmm. which what do you usually recommend? Like just in a general way, if someone comes to you and say, I'm not fucking my partner anymore, where's like the first step? What do you tell them to do? I think the first step within that moment, I look at, usually I go back and I'm like, well, can you remember a time when you fucked well and what is different now? Mm. And that's when you're looking at like context variables. I, I think that's maybe where I start is like, let's look at the context. How have you, have you had children? Have you had a job change? Have you experienced a COVID-19 pandemic? Oh my God. Yep. People assumed everyone was going to be fucking a lot during COVID. That is not what happened. There was a lot of not that occurring. Did you have an uptick in clients? I'm drowning and I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> they need to be talking about it. I think it's great. It's also like if you spend that much time around your person and being like, I just want a break from you. That's okay. But it's like, how do you do so many things? So the context, look at the context of what is actually going on. How long has this been going on? Are people upset by it? I've definitely worked with couples when one person's like, nope, I'm super okay with us fucking once a year and I'm good. And the other person going, no. no. So we got to look at kind of what the context of what is going on first and really even evaluating, am I interested in sex? How do I define sex? And a lot of it is that's an initial intake with a sex therapist. A lot of questions, a lot of questions, a lot of handouts, a lot of self-report of, well, what's really going on and help me understand so we can observe patterns. Without the patterns, we kind of can't do treatment because we don't know what the heck we're doing. Right. So look at the patterns first because then everything else will come afterwards. Yeah. And hopefully you will too. And is there anything, I imagine there's some easy answers to this question, that if someone goes into a sex therapist's office and they ask them to do X, Y, or Z, run. Have you ever heard of things in your um, in your field 
that other sex therapists do that you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I would say that's within therapy in general, that's a thing. But yes. in sex therapy in particular, I would say this comes up actually a little bit for um, people who identify as female and the idea that, oh, just do Kegels. Oh, if you're not having sex or you're having issues, do Kegel exercises. Oh my gosh, no. Like that could do so much more damage. Like, please go see a pelvic floor physical therapist before anyone tells you to do Kegels. But that's a soapbox I will get on. Really? Why? Why is it bad? So not a physical therapist. I'm not yes. a pelvic floor specialist. But the, the thing with Kegels is you're trying to you know tighten and then release your pelvic floor. Yeah. What if you have scar tissue there that you don't know and you're tensing a muscle and making no scar tissue? Kegels are actually not always helpful for everyone. Could that actually be damaging? We don't know. Pelvic floor physical therapists are usually, we refer of like, please go talk to this person, get evaluated before. Or even looking at things like getting your hormones tested. Everyone at any point and every point in their life, if they're having sexual issues, I make them go get blood work done. Really? Like what is biologically going on with your body that we maybe don't know about just because we need to rule stuff out. So I've definitely had sex therapist. I've heard of sex therapists and other providers being like, Oh, do this thing or just have sex more. And that'll be better. It's like have sex every day or give him more blowjobs. I'm like, what is wrong? <laughs> that'll fix it. That'll be yeah. fine. Give him another blowjob. I feel like that's just like, the, their dick in a in a doctor's costume. You're like, no, no, they need to have a mop loud jacket. Exactly. But I, I think that's where finding someone who is actually certified, and that's the thing, and I'm going to get on a soapbox, so sorry. Please. But the, the, what, what I am, so a licensed psychologist is a protected term, which is someone who holds a doctorate and an active license to practice in the states in which they're licensed. And you need both in order to be called a psychologist. Okay. It's a protected term. So if someone calls them as a psychologist without those two things met, oh, you get to report their booties. Sex therapist, however, is not a protected term. You could call yourself a sex therapist today. It's not protected. It's not a protected term. So anyone really can. So looking at doing your research about finding a sex therapist, usually it's someone who is certified from a reputable agency or an institution. So mine is ASECT the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. So ASECT is one of the major credentialing bodies, and we have very strict rules about what it takes for someone to become certified as a sex therapist. That's kind of the first and foremost place to look, because you've got people who say they do sex therapy without showing their training. It's a little bit like if you aren't certified through a credentialing board, at least prove that you've gone through trainings. And I think a lot of providers who say, oh, I do sex therapy are just saying it because they want to be able to say they can do it just to open up their referral source. That's very scary. Why isn't it protected? Like why? I don't understand. There's there's different lots of different reasons for it. But licensure regulations and looking at do the states regulate it? Does ASECT regulate it? And like who's in charge of it? It's just a this is the that red tape of like who is in charge of these things and there's so much variation with it so i think there's been attempts to try to protect it i don't know how successful it was but that's definitely something that i would have to grab the history of the entire term for because for i don't think psychologist was always protected i think there was a big push to protect the term yeah because or else you're gonna just have a dude in a wagon come by and give you a bunch of blow cane and be like it'll cure what ails yeah. you or yours or your dr phil because Ugh. that's just the, or your hip Ugh. i hate dr so phil. much rage Ooh. 
so much rage. I, I'm not, I'm not shy about my rage of people doing terrible things to the public. Dr. Phil, I don't understand how he's still on fucking television. I don't know how Dr. Oz or any of them are. None of them. Just why I tell people just to watch John Oliver's uh, expose from uh, on both of them. Those individuals (laughs) makes me happy. Well, then then I also I know speaking of rants, I had asked you earlier, like if there was a movie or a TV show that makes you want to scream (laughs) because of how it deals with the topic of sex. And you had a number one answer. So Fifty Shades of Grey. Let me tell you how terrible. (laughs) how terrible this is i the only thing is that i appreciate and i'm going to um quote some i'm going to quote hutsy han who is a femdom over in los angeles she did a video with try guys where she makes this quote says she really appreciates that 50 shades of gray brought the kink world into the general populace yes i agree with her 100 that was great However, the way Fifty Shades of Grey did it was entirely terrible by emphasizing the notion of abusive relationships, ineffective information about the BDSM and kink world. Also, some legality issues with that, like, contract thing that they have in there. Like, that's not a legal agreement at all. And, like, looking at the role of coercion and, like, actual effective exploration into a kink world, it is so ineffective but it highlighted so much people were interested in kink and other stuff. And they had so many questions and it's just, there's so much wrong with it, but so many people consumed it. Yes. And they're still consuming. I mean, we even talked about when I first met you and when Mm -hmm. we first started talking, Mm -hmm. I brought up the fact that army hammer Mm -hmm. and I screamed about this on page seven (laughs) when he was talking about when someone asked him about his kinks because he is open about his fetishes and they said well don't you you know you like have kink like nights with your wife and he's like no i respect my wife why would i ever he's like no essentially saying like that's why we're open that's why i do what i do with other people because i respect my wife which is it was the most disgusting thing Mm -hmm. i've ever one of the most disgusting things i've ever heard publicly said about a kink when it's all respect. It's, it's, all, it's all about respect. And, it, and, that, and that's, I think, the thing, the biggest issue with Fifty Shades of Grey. It set up this precedent that this is somehow bad and shameful and should be put away in the red room. No, it's something that should be open and talked about, but done in a way that doesn't feel coercive and is respectful and is done in such a fashion that there's pure consent sane and sensual consent. And that's really what we emphasize and want this to be for any, and not even just like BDSM kink. Anything. If you want to, if you, if you want to go, you know, try anal sex for the first time. Cool. Let's talk about how to do that effectively and not shame everyone for it and use the right lube. And it's just this emphasis that sex is somehow still dirty and it should be only done with certain people and doing certain things with certain people is acceptable and not acceptable. It's perpetuating a stereotype that something is wrong with sex. It's just not. No. The only thing that's wrong with sex has nothing to do with sex and that's assault. Yes. And that's just the nature of it. Like it nothing to do with it. And it, it just, it highlights so many problems that are embedded into culture and relationships and how all of this is not going away anytime soon, sadly. No. And even you, like, I know that we've talked about this before, too, when it comes to um, consent and respecting each other and how it's such a huge part 
of like nothing is wrong when it comes to sex as long as there's consent and as long as there's communication involved mm-hmm. because it should be all that. Yes. And and it's trust mm-hmm. in your partner. And it, it, when it comes down to like, which, which I scream about with Twilight, when she's like, how could you ever have sex with someone essentially if you're not married to them? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, that's not the issue either though. Like that's, I mean, I imagine if, it, if that comes down to how you, the rules of your body and what you abide by, Fucking have it. Good for you. But that doesn't mean like, oh, well, now we're married. So I guess they can do whatever they want to me. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Well, it doesn't also help the fact that like for a very long time, many different dyads could not get married in this country for stupid religious and political reasons. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do you even define marriage then? How do you define sex? Is it only penetration? Because of that, for, for a lot of couples, that's not a thing that happens in their life anyway. No, <laughs> that's the thing. And it's like, but that just like blows their mind. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, what? Other things could be considered so, 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 so sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that all groins were called privates because my mom never called it a vagina or a penis. Mm-hmm. It's a private. I'm like, well, that's weird. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the word. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, do we call them privates because they're covered? Because most of our belly buttons are covered, but that's not private. Is that private? Like, what, what exactly does this mean? And, and that kind of goes back when we talk about, like, comprehensive education and like I and I'll work with parents who have kiddos I'm like please if you call if you if you're working with your one and two year old and they're saying well this is your nose this is your eye this is your mouth this is your vagina this is your penis like it's just a medical term it's like we see people being like oh it's your hoo-ha or it's your dangling it's like why are you calling it these terrible things just call it what it is and I understand like Sure, have a nickname for it after they know the actual term for Mm -hmm. it. So that's not because then it is seen. I feel like, again, all of this leads back to the shame that's put on it. Like, you can't even say the word. Mm -hmm. Why? One of the exercises I do with students, like if I'm doing a group presentation, because I do some training work. One of my favorite exercises I got from one of my professors who taught me is I basically have three groups and I say, come up with every single term for vagina come up every with every term for penis and come up with every single sexual term or sexual act you can think of. And I have them actually listed on a board. I, I have them read it aloud to get used to talking about just basic terms and how certain terms make us feel uncomfortable looking at like the, um, like looking at the term, like looking at different terms and what that actually means. Like some people really hate the word cunt and they just do. And for some people it, it elicits this shame feeling. It's like, but is that does the male genitalia have that same level of shame? Why is it only this one? Why are certain sexual acts shamed in the terminology that we use? And being able to look at the importance of linguistics in how we communicate effectively between each other. Yes, completely. Even just down to like even you saying that also reminds me of like when my mother would call it the ladies' room. Mm-hmm. She always whispers the ladies' room as if not. Everybody shits and yeah. pisses. It's like just say the word. Like I remember being like fifteen, be like just say it. Just say I'm thing. going to the shit house. I'd rather you call it the shit yep. house than you whisper the ladies' room at me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just my own personal issues. Um, but we're definitely going to be getting into more personal issues when we start doing our show together. Thank you so Thank much, Doctor Jordan, for joining me today. 
Again, this is Dr. Jordan Soper. She's a licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist and the owner of the Center for Sexual Health and Wellness. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited. Please check us out. We are going to start our show on Tuesday, June 22nd at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, twitch.tv forward slash Oh, no, it's Jackie. You can start sending in some questions mm-hmm. if you'd like, whether it is just general topics or if it's something specific. You could send that into oh, no, it's Jackie's email at gmail.com. And of course, I'm going to be pushing all of this down your throats because I'm so absolutely excited to be able to finally have a forum where we can talk about sex openly. Mm-hmm. Bring your weird questions. Bring a question that you never thought you'd ever ask anyone before in your life life. I'm so excited for us all to do this together. And thank you so much, Dr. Jordan. Do you have anything to plug at the end of our show? I would say just education is the coolest thing ever. And the more we talk about it, the the more we talk about the shit, the more we normalize the shit. And this is all freaking normal. So I am so very, very excited for us to do this. I'm excited for questions. I'm yet to be surprised by any question I've been asked. So I challenge, gauntlet thrown, challenge me. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And so we will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much. My name is Jackie Zabrowski. You can follow me on Instagram at JackThatWorm. This has been the LBN Show. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.